Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. I'm Brett, and I'm here with Steve. Steve, how are you doing this week? I'm great. I'm ready to talk about all the teams that we expected to be in first place in the conference at this time of year and all the teams that are in last place in the conference at this time of year that went exactly as we were thinking. Yeah, exactly. It was it was a very interesting week uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, lots of headlines were made, and we are very excited to break it all down for you. But first, uh, we would like to make an official podcast announcement and welcome our first ever podcast sponsor, uh, and that is Brewbags Coffee Company. Um, so I'd like to just tell you a little bit about that before we get into the, this week's recap. Um, so with Brewbags Coffee Company, you can rediscover your ritual and their single-serving uh, flavored cold brew pouches. Whether you're looking for an easy way to make great cold brew, which, you know, I always am. Uh, I love a good cup of coffee in the morning, especially cold brew. Um, if you're looking to save time in your busy morning, or if you just want to have coffee your way while you're on the road, brew bags are so easy that you can brew them in your sleep, and they're so delicious that uh, you'll want to wake up to enjoy them. Uh, there's plenty of different flavors. Um, I'm very partial to the hazelnut and uh, the medium roast. So uh, you can take a look at their website and uh, see everything they have to offer. Uh, this month, enjoy free shipping to celebrate their launch and use the discount code LAUNCH10, that's L-A-U-N-C-H-1-0, to take 10% off your order. Uh, so thanks again to Brewbags for their support of our podcast. And so with that, I, we got to start at the top. Um, Friday night, a huge game uh, in Evanston and... It, you know, it lived up to the hype. Obviously, Purdue had kind of said that they had this one circled uh, as they lost this game to Northwestern last year. And uh, but yet again, it was the Wildcats making a huge opening statement to begin the conference season because they beat Purdue in Evanston in overtime. And I mean, there are a number of different storylines here, I think. Um, Purdue still scored over a point per possession, but they turned the ball over 17 times. It's a 21% turnover rate, and that's frankly just not going to get it done, uh, especially with the higher scrutiny level on Purdue. Um, Zach Eady was his tremendous self as usual, 35 points, 14 rebounds, 15 of 20 from the line. Um, but it was an inability to get key stops, um, and Boo Booey obviously had 31 points, um, nine assists, showing why he's, you know, he was a pick for all Big Ten first team. Um, but as, as we'd mentioned, you know, Northwestern's getting huge contributions from Ryan Langbord and Brooks Barnheiser, um, just kind of across the board, offensively, defensively. And I guess, you know, obviously huge win for Northwestern. Um, and we can talk about kind of the effects of that later. But Steve, what, do, what are you making of, of this, I guess, from each side? So where my head goes, first reaction to this game is we kind of um, we kind of smirk when you think about this, but. Northwestern finished second in the Big Ten last year. And, you know, we know there was a log jam sort of two through seven at the at the end of the season. And Northwestern sort of ended up on the right end of some of the tiebreakers. And it all sort of worked out well. But, um, you know, they, they lost some guys. They picked up a few good transfers. But, like, I don't know. To, to me, the question, I think it's fair to ask, like, is Northwestern punch for punch? one of the two or three best teams in this conference. I don't think any of us thought they were there at the beginning of the year. You know, maybe we thought they were a tier or two lower, but I mean, this game proves that um, it, at least internally, they are 
not thinking about like taking a step back or reverting back to the mean or whatever word you want to use to describe this program. They came out ready for this game, ready to pull off the upset, ready to defend their home court in a way that looked like a program that was comfortable playing in these big types of games. And so I think you have to give them a ton of credit. Now, I think on the flip side of that, um, when you just look at the the numbers on this game, I mean, a lot had to go right for Northwestern to pull this off. A lot went wrong for Purdue. Um, yes, they survived a 35 point, you know, 14 rebound performance from Zach Eady. Um, but, you know, they're not getting 20 a game from Langborn and and Barry, you know, most of the time. They're not shooting 50 percent from three. Uh, most games, you know, even the three turnovers that they had as a team, that, that's probably like a, a season low where I, you know, you know, that that was sort of an anomalous performance. And Purdue's probably not going to shoot 25 percent from three either. So in some ways, they, you know, the stars aligned to make this happen. But, it, you know, you throw all that out and uh, Northwestern still hung punch for punch. Um, I think there's a statement for the rest of the conference to show that they weren't just a one hit wonder last year. Yeah, and I know we had been kind of worried about that, but I mean, if you're getting guys, if you're getting Langborg and you're getting Barry to step up on offense, and granted, like you said, 20-point games for both of them will probably be somewhat of a rarity, but, you know, we were worried about kind of that vacancy of Chase Audige, and it, it, they're getting that contribution from kind of a group of guys like Langborg, Barnheiser, and Barry, and they're going to play tough defense. I think, you know, you still would like to see them get a little bit more efficient on the defensive end. But they're seventh in the country in turnover percentage uh, on Ken Palm right now. And and obviously three turnovers won't happen every game. But, I mean, I, they're not going to turn the ball over double digits many times. And I think that that goes to show, especially when you're playing a team like Purdue that isn't really predicated on forcing turnovers, that Northwestern's not going to beat themselves. And they're going to put themselves in a chance to to win most games that they're in if they can keep, you know, taking care of the ball and and again, not making 50% of your threes every game, but, you know, making good, making, making shots and having them come from a variety of guys. The the weirdest stat about this game, in my opinion, is that Purdue out-rebounded Northwestern 52 to 27. They nearly doubled them up in rebounds and Northwestern still found a way to win. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think for some of the anomalies on the Northwestern side that went their way, th- there were, you know, one or two, I think that went Purdue's way too. Now, I think the other thing that I think we should just kind of clarify is, I, I you know, we're not going to use this to doubt Purdue's credibility at all. You know, um, what they did uh, in the Maui Invitational, you know, was was nothing short of exceptional, and we still expect them to, you know, be at the top of the conference when the season ends. Um, and and we, you know, we still expect these kinds of performances. You know, out of Zach. You, they could, you know, they've gotten maybe a little bit more efficient production from some of their guards, sure. But I do not think this game was about Purdue's drawbacks or their inability to um, perform at crunch time or, you know, the fact that they, they they choke. This was about Northwestern. And I think if you're a Northwestern fan, you have to be excited again for um, what you'll have this year, you know, with, with Boo Booey as there's probably no one better in the conference that you can trust in, in crunch time, just given, you know, his experience and his quality of, of play, um, you know, and they, they, even though they gave up 88 points this game, they, they bring it defensively and they don't hurt themselves like we talked about. So major kudos to Northwestern. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one last point on Purdue, because again, you know, 
they're still one of the best teams in the country, I think, but they have to get uh, a lot more production from their their secondary guys. And Lance Jones going two for 11 from the field really uh, kind of underscores the need for for more production at the guard and wing spots. So definitely something to uh, look for or kind of look for as Purdue goes. But there will be no accusations of, of being frauds coming from us. Uh, we still definitely believe in Purdue. The other big highlight of the weekend, uh, Wisconsin uh, facing off against a you know a top three team in Marquette, wire to wire lead, led by 13 at halftime, uh, and ended up winning by 11. They kind of withstood a a furious run to start the second half, but Marquette never led. Max Klesman had 21 all 21 of his points in the first half, um, and they got a, a bunch of big contributions from Stephen Crawl uh, and AJ Store. Um, I, you know, I think even though these games are always pretty highly contested, I don't know that anybody really saw Wisconsin kind of coming out and just w- winning, leading this game the entire time and, and winning by double digits in the fashion that they did. And, you know, some notable things that, that really kind of underscored how good they how well they played was 24, 28 from the free throw line and really just improved defensive performance. I mean, Klesmet made all five of the threes that Wisconsin made. And but they were able to work the ball inside in in kind of a manner that we've been talking about and just really tighten up their defense against an explosive Marquette offense who wasn't able to really ever make them pay uh, for 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 the turnovers that they had or for kind of any other things that went Marquette's way. I think, Joe, there's two takeaways for me from this game. Yeah, I think and we've talked about this before with Wisconsin, but balance is is much improved this year compared to, you know, the last couple of years when they've been down a little bit, you know, all of their starters, you know, scored nine or more. Um, and, you know, I think they, they're just at the point where they go. I mean, you know, I guess call it six, six deep where, you know, on any given night, any one of those guys can go for 20, but you know, you're, you're probably going to get at least 10 from them. And so, you know, I, I think just, reverting back to the traditional model that Wisconsin has in that regard, I think is, is going to serve them well, especially in a year where they have, you know, arguably more experience than, um, or just as much experience as, as some of the other top teams at conference. The other thing that I think is going to serve them well, that's sort of related to that is just their ability to rebound, you know, they out rebounded and I think rebounding is going to be a theme in the, a lot of games that we saw this week, but they, out rebounded Marquette by by 15 rebounds, 38 to 23. Um, and so, you know, just the the ability of Crowell and Wall to, you know, Crowell had eight rebounds, Wall had had seven. Um, even Chucky Hepburn contributed with with six, and Store got five. So, to your point about the commitment to the defensive end, um, they are really really good about not allowing offensive rebounds. And, you know, if they're going to play the the style of play they do and um, if they're going to execute better at the floor with the, the balance that they have, if they're going to execute better at the offensive end of the floor with the balance that they have, I mean, they're, they're, we're going to start to see them be a really, really tough out for teams. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of improvements that Wisconsin's made. And as they've 
kind of figured out their offense and how to be more cohesive. They've they've really taken pains to slow down uh, kind of from the up-tempo vibes we saw early in the season. And it's it's served them well as their their offensive efficiency continues to increase. So uh, I agree. That's definitely something to look forward to as they get into a really difficult stretch this week that we'll touch on later. A couple other things from around the league. So there were a few conference openers this week. Uh, Indiana was able to dispatch Maryland and I, man, we gotta, we gotta really be worried about Maryland. Maryland should be pressing the panic button right now, but on the other side, um, Indiana really, um, kind of definitely coming more into their own. Um, they're still not shooting the three very well or very much to the point where Mike Woodson, uh, commented on it in a press press conference this week, but you know, it was a game that they, Indiana really kind of needed to win and get off on the right foot, especially with no Xavier Johnson. Um, so definitely an impressive win there. Kalel Ware continues to just rack up double doubles, uh, 18 and 14 for him uh, in an impressive showing. Um, so we'll see if they can obviously keep up the, you know, the, the offense there in addition to the, the strong defense. Um, Ohio State took care of Minnesota, winning by 10 um, in a game that they were up by as much as 22. Minnesota never led. You know, equally as important, Ohio State, if they're really trying to make a statement um, coming off the, the tournament win, can't drop this game to Minnesota. And, uh, you know, Dawson Garcia, 36 points. Uh, the rest of Minnesota's team, really nothing to show. Um, and finally, we had Illinois uh, really just playing very, very well on an 18 point win over Rutgers. Um, another kind of wire to wire in control. And Terrence Shannon showing why he's one of the best point guards in the conference steve any comments on the conference games we saw this week yeah a few so first with ohio state uh, you know another really really good game from bruce thornton um he had 26 on on 12 shots uh, and uh, we've been high on him um really going back so late last year um uh, and he's really really starting to you know put the money where his mouth is with some of uh the numbers that he's been putting up he had a big game uh, last week in, in Ohio State's multi-team event. So I wanted to give him a shout-out. As well as Jamison Battle, you know, revenge game for him, taking on his former team. Um, and he also had, had 25 on, on 12 shots. So um, it really showed that Ohio State was able to do whatever they wanted with Minnesota. Um, not a great sign if you're a Minnesota fan, but um, we've covered the uh, slowly – developing dumpster fire that is the the gophers and probably won't talk very much about them really throughout the rest of the year you know i, I think on rutgers their offense is terrible and that's not a yeah that's not anything new um but you know they, they shot 33 percent of the field from the field against um against illinois at home um, you know, I, this is a really, really important year for Rutgers, right? Coming off the disappointment of last year, you know, they, they, they didn't really probably retool at the rate that they wanted. And if, if they don't put up a, a good fight this year and um, claw their way back into kind of tournament relevancy there, them as a program, I think are, are going to be in trouble, especially with the new entrance last year. So um, I would watch for the fight that they have because they just do not have enough. Um, they, they do not have very much power when it comes to j- much firepower when it comes to their offense. Um, and, and then I agree with you completely on, on Indiana. I mean, um, rough, rough ish start to the year for them, but I think they're a team to watch for. You, it's very clear that Mike Woodson's kept that locker room together um, and that some of the younger players are, are settling into form. Um, I, I, I'd watch for them. Um, as the calendar flips to the new year as a 
kind of upper half of the conference team and one that's going to be right in the mix for a tournament bid um, come March. Yeah, totally agreed with you, with your points. I think Mbako is really starting to settle in, and, and that's obviously huge for the Hoosiers given his offensive upside. And I will note that uh, Rutgers currently ranks 178th in the country in offensive efficiency, but 12th defensively. And I, I would wager that that's a one of the biggest disparities in the entire country. But as you said, they're not shooting the ball well, and it's going to be hard to win games, especially even at home. Uh, but in this conference, when you when that happens, um, quick run through a couple of the more higher profile non-conference uh, run, uh, games this week. Uh, Michigan went to out to Eugene um, and lost on a buzzer beater despite 33 points from Doug McDaniel. Um, and, you know, again, we're seeing him really kind of live up to the, the preseason hype, um, even if the rest of his teammates are not following suit. So I, you know, you got to get a little bit more production out of your starters. Uh, Terrace Reed not only didn't score, but didn't take a shot. And so that's that's obviously something they need to fix. Um, and Oregon scored one point two, three points per possession, um, which is not great for their defensive numbers. Bucknell came into State College and won um, over Penn State. Um, again, you know, we've kind of talked about the, the reduced expectations for Penn State, but still tough blow for for the Nittany Lions and then Nebraska you know they showed this was a huge step up in in competition for them against number uh top 10 team in Creighton and they lost by 29 um can't say that like I expected a close game necessarily just given how good Creighton is and that's more of a thing for Creighton and but Nebraska was very stymied offensively and despite only turning the ball over eight times just two for 22 from three is not going to get it done you know, I think with Michigan, um, it, it's not just the the defensive numbers. I think it, you know, kind of like we talked about with a lot of the victorious teams this week and how important rebounding is. Michigan has done putridly on um, rebounding, and it's kind of surprising given how much size they have. So they need to clean that up. You know, also probably turning the ball over a little bit too much for comfort. Uh, but I think after starting – you know, three and zero, and being a, kind of a surprise in the first week and a half of play, they are heading in the wrong direction. Um, as is as is Penn State too. I mean, they allowed a Bucknell team to shoot fifty eight percent from the field on them. Um, not not good there, but you know we know the situation with expectations. And then you know, I think you have to be a little bit disappointed if you're a Nebraska fan. Um, you know, we knew they kind of had a undefeated record on a light schedule, and there was some optimism there. They'll get an opportunity to. Um, you know, they'll get plenty of opportunities to prove their worth in conference play, but this was a great opportunity to show they had some fight in them and they got run off the floor. So a little bit disappointing there for sure. Yeah, so definitely a, a up and another up and down week for the conference as a whole. Um, but lots of redemption arcs, you know, can possibly happen this week. So it is time to take it to the weekly preview. Um, so I'll I will start with the first couple days, um, just given how the schedule shakes out. Monday, uh, Iowa-Purdue, very contrasting styles. Um, Iowa does not have the horses in the post to hang with Zach Eady. You know, that hasn't always worked out for for Purdue anyways. But, you know, there's – Iowa's definitely going to try and get up and down and score and really try to make Eady work for his, his defensive possessions for sure. Um, I just don't know that Iowa has the defense. I mean, Iowa still, you know, is not a strong defensive team. They will – put up points they will shoot the ball pretty well assuming they can you know move ed around a little bit but i i look for purdue to to really kind of get back into form especially at home and uh and take this one uh by double digits tuesday indiana michigan so as we've mentioned 
two teams kind of trending in opposite directions, you know, depending on the health of Xavier Johnson, I think that, um, you know, where is going to be a, a really big distraction uh, that Michigan's going to have to contend with. I think this is a game where Michigan might be able to get away with some of their defensive lapses just because Indiana hasn't really shown the ability to make teams pay, um, especially from three. So I think that, you know, this could be a closer game than expected, especially at Chrysler. But I think that Michigan's going to need guys like Kamwa and Burnett to really show up and have a strong offensive performance. Um, Illinois takes on Florida Atlantic. Um, and obviously, you know, Florida Atlantic had a, a, a high profile loss a couple weeks ago to Bryant, but since then has really hit their stride. Um, this game is at Madison Square Garden. Um, so I think this is going to be an offensive showcase. Neither team particularly bulky. Um, I, I'm interested to see how Underwood attacks Vlad Golden um, in the post. But, you know, Florida, Florida Atlantic's guards can really give uh, Illinois some trouble. So if Illinois is not shooting the ball well, which their threes still have yet to fall, they could be in some trouble. So they're going to need to keep up offensively. Finally, we have Wisconsin going to Michigan State, another big test for the Badgers. Um, you know, we're, they're going to look to kind of really force the ball inside against Michigan State's under undersized-ish front line. Um, Stephen Kral can kind of impose his will against the less bulky bigs in this conference, and uh, they're going to really look to get him going. Um, in addition to, uh, you know, just making sure that that Store and Klesmet and and Hepburn really kind of see a bunch of opportunities. But it's a game where they can't keep turning the ball. They can't turn the ball over. And Tyson Walker is going to look to really get Michigan State back on track. As we move to Wednesday, a, a couple of intriguing matchups to pay attention to. Um, the first is Rutgers heads to Winston-Salem to take on Wake Forest. I don't think Wake Forest is is that good of a team. They they're four and three. All three of their losses are to, to power conference teams. They've lost to Utah um, and and Georgia and Florida, I believe. But you know Rutgers, for the most part, for all that we've been down on them, you know their uh, tournament profile is pretty clean at this point. They have the loss to Princeton, which actually isn't that terrible of a loss when you look at how they've been playing. Um, you know, and then the, the, the loss that we just talked about to Illinois, but this is really their first opportunity to get a, a good non a good being a decent non-conference win other than just over a, a, a cupcake team v- very much will be a, a contrast in styles for sure. But, um, just as I was talking about a few minutes ago, this, this is, I think, a, a good opportunity, you know, Rutgers on the road, see if they can slow it down. Um, see if they can execute a little bit better offensively. Um, they they really need this game if they want a standing, you know, chance at this year meaning anything. Um, and then second game of the night, Penn State heads to Maryland. These are kind of two teams that are absolutely reeling. So um, I don't know that it'll be the prettiest game of basketball per se. But I, I think you know if you're Maryland, this is a great opportunity to. Um, sort of get right against a team that's reeling and and start to thinking about, you know, how you're going to turn your season around because you know, the tail is still there that we were so high on for Maryland coming into this year. I mean, this, this is where the turnaround has to start. Um, and then the third game of note on Wednesday is Nebraska heading to Minnesota. Um, we just talked about Nebraska getting run off the floor, floor by Creighton. Um, they need to win this game if they're going to prove they're for real this year. So, um, we'll be very curious to see how business like they compose themselves um, going on the road to Minnesota. You know, it, it, it can be it can be tough to play there with just how you know dead that place can be sometime, especially, you know, at this time of year with with 
you know, as we move into the, you know, closer to the holiday breaks and stuff. So Nebraska really needs to get this one if they are for real. And then lastly, I'm sorry, moving to Thursday, uh, another, another intriguing game to watch for um, Iowa takes on Iowa state in their sort of annual uh, in-state rivalry game with the Cyclones. So the, the, the numbers favor the Cyclones per se, but we know that Iowa can, um, can, you know, put up 80 or 90 a game in a blink, regardless of whoever it seems that Fran McCaffrey runs, runs through his program there. You know, when you look at Iowa state, um, you know, so they're coming off a, a win at DePaul. They also have a win against VCU on their resume, but they, um, they also dropped um, two games recently to Virginia Tech and Texas A&M. So kind of jury's, jury's out on them, too. You know, they, they play moderately slower than uh, Iowa and actually you know, have decent defensive numbers. Um, so I look at this to be more of a contrast in style than anything, but that's just more because Iowa just plays so dang fast. Um, it's always fun when these two teams get together. I think we're still sort of learning about um, you know, what Iowa is this year. So, um, I mean, we know it's not really a road game when these two teams play just because of the in-state nature of the game, but um, tough to win at, at Hilton, um, you know, anytime. So great opportunity for Iowa to get a, a quality non-conference win here. All right. On to a very stacked weekend. Um, and I think that Saturday specifically kind of underscores the, the gauntlet that teams are starting to go through and even put themselves through uh, outside of conference play. And, uh, you know, we'll see how this comes back to bite or help uh, in March when when we're hearing about tournament seedings. But that being said, uh, a few days after the game against Florida Atlantic, uh, Illinois goes to Knoxville to take on a very, very good Tennessee team that we've already talked about a decent amount. Uh, they've already played Wisconsin um, and they have already played Purdue. So, again, you know, they're really taking a tour of the big the Big Ten a la Marquette. Um and I will, of course, remind everybody that Rick Barnes did not win a Sweet 16 with Kevin Durant. So that must be considered. Uh, man, we've we've gotten that in like I think four times on the podcast already this season. I love it. But that being said, uh, this is going to be a real big test for Illinois. Illinois has not yet shown the outside of Terrence Shannon that they can put the ball in the hoop consistently, especially from three uh, where they are just shoot, shooting just a hair under 32 or just a hair under 33 percent. Illinois also ranks 359th in the country in free throw percentage at 57.8%. That's bad. That's real bad. And Tennessee is this kind of team where they're not going to beat themselves. They will not give you extra opportunities. So you better take care of, or you better take advantage of every single opportunity that you have. Terrence Shannon obviously has been lights out to start the year. He's for almost 46% from three. But when you've got guys like they brought in Domask to kind of be a, a, a shooter, he's 36% at Southern Illinois last year, and he's at 24 so far. Gary Air is at 10%. Goody's Goody's been shooting the ball well, so they just need these guys to really be more consistent on offense. Um, the defense has been there for Illinois, and I think that'll be an advantage against a, a, a tough Tennessee team. But, you know, Dalton Connect is kind of the guy to watch for if you are an Illinois fan. So it should be a really good matchup. You know, I don't know that Illinois quite has the horses offensively to win this game, but would be would be huge for them. Then you have Purdue going to take on um, Alabama and you know, I, I've been watching a little bit of this Alabama team, and honestly, I, I think they're pretty soft. This game is in Toronto. I think that, uh, you know, home game for Zach Eady, I guess, uh, going back to Canada. 
they are going to be able to Edie is definitely going to be able to take advantage of Grant Nelson uh, on on uh, in the interior. And I think that there is a lot of opportunity for Edie to, to play well. I think Kaufman Wren could have a big game, too, um, you know, if we're looking at trying to work the ball inside. And it's just making sure that, that uh, Lawyer and Smith don't keep turning the ball over at the rate they have been and just knock down some shots. Uh, Alabama's got some def- definitely got some guys offensively, Mark Sears specifically. But, you know, if Purdue can kind of hold their own and just make it in, you know, just keep their heads, not turn the ball over a ton. I think they, they've got a, a really good chance to to come out with another very quality win. And then before I turn it back to Steve for the back half of Saturday, uh, Indiana, Auburn, Auburn's going to be looking to get back on track after a tough loss to App State in one of the weirder true road games of the year. And, you know, it's going to be a, a big test for Indiana. Auburn's definitely got a stingy defense. They, again, don't, I mean, they've got a, they've got one big, one good post player. So the broom, broom wear matchup is really what I'm focusing on. Uh, I think that's going to be really interesting watching those two really talented guys uh, go at it. But I think that, you know, Indiana's got to start knocking down some shots against quality competition to come away with a win. All right. Second half of the Saturday slate, Wisconsin in a true road game heads to Tucson to take on the uh, number two ranked Arizona Wildcats. Um, Arizona ha- is rolling. Uh, they're seven and zero. They've already beaten a, a Big Ten team this year, Michigan State. They also have a, a win over Duke, um, and they're they're doing what Arizona does. They they're averaging like ninety three points a game. I mean, you know, want to talk about a contrast in styles? I mean, this uh, it, it is just you know, we, and we've seen it with Big Ten teams trying to go in there um, in the you know in the recent past and even in you know even uber historically. Um, when whenever the Big Ten, you know, plays these games at Arizona in December, they just get throttled. I have to think that Wisconsin style of play um, is, is going to keep this game, you know, close, um, you know, whether it's for a half or for a half and a half or even, you know, for the whole game. Uh, Wisconsin's rolling, too, you know, after their early losses to, to Providence and Tennessee. You know, they've, they've won five in a row now, um, as we've we've all chronicled. And so. Um, I think this one could be closer than than people think. Um, great opportunity for Wisconsin, and really kudos to, to them for scheduling quality of non-conference opponents this year. Um, we'll see if if balance wins the day, or if Arizona's uh, firepower just runs them off the court. Um, next game wanted to turn your attention to on Saturday: um, <laughs> Ohio State heads to Happy Valley for a flat five o'clock. G- 5 p.m. tip um, central time at the Bryce Jordan Center, quote, where fun goes to die. I think Ohio State's, you know, a pretty good, good team, right? Like they've, you know, I think proved, I don't know they have a lot of haters going into this year, but like they've at least proved that um, they're going to ride the momentum that they created for themselves at the end of last year. And, um, you know, with the addition of Jamison Battle, you know, they're, they're a tournament team, potentially a top quarter of the conference team. This is a game you have to win, but it's really, really tough to, you know, beat Penn State in these types of games where there's not going to be much of an environment. Um, they have to stick to their game plan, execute. You know, we know they have more talent than, uh, oh, than, than Penn State does. I think really looking forward to, you know, Baldwin and Thornton going at it from the point guard position. But um, Ohio State has too much. They should win this game and need to win this game. And then finally, the battle for New Jersey takes place on on Saturday night. At least we, you know, the, maybe the second version of the battle for New Jersey. Uh, when Rutgers plays played Princeton, I guess that was the the first version of it, and they lost. But um, now they take on Seton Hall. 
Um, and really echoing what I said about, you know, their matchup about Wake, against Wake Forest later this week. This this is one that they, they have to get if they're for real. You know, Seton Hall's lost their two games against Power 5 opponents. Um, and it it really just proves that this one's gettable for Rutgers if 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 they can slow it down. We're really going to learn a lot about Rutgers this week uh, based on sort of the the tough the two tough non-conference opponents that they've scheduled. None of which are you know in their in their home arena at the at the rack as we still call it here. But nonetheless, I think this is this is gut check week for um, the Rutgers program. If they can go two and zero, I think our outlook on them will be totally different, and they'll be you know, ready to punch going back into the rest of conference play. All right. And I will, I'll bring us home with Sunday here. Uh, we've start with Michigan and Iowa. Uh, that game's at Carver Hawkeye. Michigan's really going to be looking to get back on track. Uh, they've dropped four or five heading into this week and uh, they, they really just need, uh, they need something and it's going to be tough for them to stop Iowa, just given their kind of lack of attention to detail on the defensive end. But Iowa is definitely an exploitable defense for Michigan. Uh, should be another game where where McDaniel uh, and hopefully Kamwa really kind of shine. I think that the matchup plays specifically into uh, Kamwa having having a good game, given the the lack of kind of post guys on Iowa. Um, so I think that it's you know Michigan definitely should find themselves in this game and with a chance with a good chance to take to to win and get pick up a big road win. And finally, we have Michigan State going to Nebraska. Um, you know it's going to be a crazy environment in there. The 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 bank is usually. Uh, pretty pretty rowdy so i think um you know that's going to be a factor but michigan state's been through this rigmarole before uh they got experience and nebraska is not going to be a team that really punishes them um for not having the kind of bigs that they normally do you know mass could have a pretty big game but uh, i really think michigan state's guards are going to be able to control the control the tempo and uh you know get them put them in position to succeed um so i like michigan state there and that does it it's going to be a big week it you know, there's, we're really starting to see uh, a couple teams, you know, rise to the occasion. Um, and, you know, there's a lot, there's still a lot to be determined. Um, so we will be with you next week. As always, thanks again to Brewbags for sponsoring this episode. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to send us an email, Big Ten Hoops Weekly at gmail.com. And we will see you next week.